glad you guys are here. We've only got a couple more uh, left in this series, which I kind of hate to wind down. It's been so good, and we've had such great response, and I feel like we've got to know each other better through this, because here's what's happened is you've got to know some people's story, then you've told me your story or told somebody else your story, and so there's stories happening all over the place, and we love that, and, and uh, again, we just uh, are such believers that everyone has a story. And uh, your story is continuing to be written. And so if you're in a dark moment, just keep, just keep trusting God to write. If you're in a good moment, God is writing that as well. And, and all of this is being written so that you get the opportunity to tell it. And you may not tell it from up here, but there's going to be a stage, so to speak, that you're going to have this week or in the upcoming weeks to tell your story. It's going to be with a coworker. It's going to be with somebody in the neighborhood, somebody in the grocery store. I don't know where God is going to open up a door for you to tell your story, but when he does... Step through it. Have that courage because somebody out there needs to hear your story. And don't think that it's insignificant. Don't think that it's small or little or it doesn't matter. No, it matters because it's your story. And so this morning, uh, we've got another just really cool story for you. Uh, this is Chris and Michelle Feller, and, and uh, I'm just so excited about them. Uh, what you need to know is they have two kids, Patrick and Sydney. And here's the special thing. Uh, he doesn't know this is coming. Today is Patrick's birthday. And so, can we just give it up for Patrick's birthday? Yeah. So, uh, just a, an awesome young man and just a, a great family. Uh, I knew that we were going to be friends because of friends. And it's not that we shared common friends. You know, sometimes you become friends with somebody because, you know, they're friends with somebody that you're already friends with. No, we became friends because of friends. I'm talking Ross and Monica and, and, and Chandler, the whole deal. This hangs in my office, and I don't know if you can see that or not, but it says pivot, 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 you know, kind of moment, and it's Ross Geller. If you know friends at all, you know this episode. But they found out that I love friends, and so they uh, surprised me with this great little package laying on my desk at Christmas, and it was this beautiful note with this picture, and so that hangs in my office, and I just knew then we uh, are going to be friends, and we've sent uh, GIFs back and forth about all that, and so it's just been a really unique, and so I'm just so grateful that you guys are here, and I'm so grateful you said yes and that you get to share uh, your story today. You know, I've already heard the story, and it's just been so impactful to me and, and Lori as we sat at Chef's Market and shared that. That's what I wished all of you got to do was sit in these coffee shops and these places and hear just these two-hour versions of what we kind of condense in, and so I'm just, again, so grateful. You know, we've talked a lot in this series about second chances. And most of what you've heard has been a lot of, of second chances that were received, and that is part of your story. But today's story, too, is also about a, a really big extending a second chance. And we're going to kind of get into both of those today. And so it's kind of a, a tug of war here that we're going to do. But let's start with how you guys met because that's a second chance in and of itself. And so how you guys met and what was going on there. So um, I had uh, moved up to uh, Michigan in 2002-ish, 3-ish, and um, I was working up there, and um, as far as dating-wise, didn't do too much. Um, I had, uh, before that, I had uh, come out of high school and got married pretty young, uh, thought I needed to get married because all my friends were doing it, but, uh, you know, it went into it with all the wrong reasons, um, and so gave it up. We both decided to give it up after about five years of just trying to make it. But just it was one of those things that, um, you know, all the 
the red lights were there, but no, really no green lights. So we um, parted ways. Um, so as I uh, was living in Michigan, um, again, not dating much, um, had some friends up there that I knew, and we um, went to this. If Patrick tells us, we met in a bar, but it wasn't a bar. So Kids was, are honest like that. They are, right, yeah. So it was a... Uh, uh, like a rec center, pool, playing pool and, you know, pinball and stuff like that. And so uh, I was there with some friends and she was there with some friends and just kind of, uh, kind of hit it off from there. Uh, talked over the phone for quite a while, for a few weeks before we actually really had a, a, um, an actual date. So got to know each other that way. And then um, got to know her family. Her family's just an awesome family. Um, just can't say enough about them. Uh, so yeah, that's how we kind of met with each other. Yeah, and so you, you get this kind of second chance with with you know family and marriage, and and uh, so you guys you know started dating, and then you, you got married, and and you know kids on the front end. You know there was kind of a story for that that we can we can save for another day. And so now you guys have kids, and and so there came this moment where I remember you saying, you know, we just kind of felt like this nudge. Uh, you know, like we really probably should kind of look for church community to get our kids involved in and, and those sorts of things. Like we're believers and we want to know God and all those kinds of things. But this was so difficult. And this was such a tough moment. Uh, because, in fact, we almost, I would almost, you know, it was almost impossible. Because of some really tough moments that were associated with church in the past with you. And so kind of talk us through what happened in that that made this moment. You know, I think... For, for a lot of us, we just, we kind of show up to church and we kind of take that for granted. And, and we've had, you know, I know that there's been a lot of you probably had some bad experiences, but there's probably a lot of us with some really good experiences. And so uh, that was not the case. I mean, it was a tough moment for you. It was a tough, tough kind of uh, transition. So what happened back here that really was before him, but then now you guys are finding yourself navigating together? Mm-hmm. Um, so like Chris said, I grew up in a extremely faith-believing family, and um, I think that I did church because they did church, and I wanted a relationship with God. I felt like I had a relationship with God, but I was very shallow. I'll just say that, and um, so um, I had some issues growing up, um, some, I even tell Jason, um, some abuse and stuff growing up that caused me to kind of be very introverted, and so my family, who was very involved in the church, and I was too, but I was definitely the, the little duckling that came behind, <laughs> the ugly little duckling, um, and so anyway, um, I wanted something deeper, and I could feel it, I could feel like God was calling me to something deeper, and so um, I went through this program, I felt like um, it, I was in college, and it was almost like a seminary kind of thing, mm-hmm. and um, we went basically for ministry. We did ministry during the day and the nights and in between did courses and we were running 24-7 nonstop and it was um, under the direction of Assemblies of God, which is where the church we were from and it was based out of Arizona but then it had all of these um, satellite locations that had this program and they were through a church and um, 
And so I went because I wanted something different. I wanted to kind of get out of the insecurity that I had lived in and that I had um, basically my identity was in my family. Like if you go to my home church, everyone knows who a home is, which is my last, my maiden name. I mean, everyone knows. <laughs> and my identity was in that and not necessarily in God. So I went to this program. And it was not, um, the first year was great because it caused some of those insecurities to kind of be broken. Um, but as the program went on, um, it became different. And um, some of the challenges with it were um, a little abuse of power, I think. Um, maybe not necessarily intended, but um, it was there. And um, I was selected, I guess, to be one of the inner core people. There was about five of us that were really close to the director at the time. And, um, and so it just, um, there was that. It was just spiritual abuse, almost to an extent. And, um, you know, he liked this game called Thank You, Sir, May I Have Another. Um, where he would, me and this other girl were the two that were in this group, where, you know, he would make us eat gross things just to see us get sick. Or um, he liked to publicly, <laughs> publicly say things about us. Um, you know, like for me, my weight was an issue um, to kind of, you know, bring us down so that we didn't get prideful. Um, and then when the second year happened, and I was starting to question, okay, I don't really understand your technique here. I don't, you know, I really felt like God was calling me to do this, but, you know, I didn't feel comfortable in doing in, in the way that he wanted, and so things began to change for me, and um, I started to feel the backlash of questioning his authority, and um, what went from where I felt secure, once again, from leaving a family, from going to a place and feeling secure. Um, at that time, I had no correlation between what God said and what he said. They were the same thing. And um, my identity and who I was was in him, I guess, and um, in serving, truthfully. Um, and so, um, consequently, it um, when I started to question those things, then I no longer became accepted. And, um, you know, the, you're being a baby. You're being silly. Um, lots of disciplinary talks. Um, you're going to go to hell. Um, just things like that, the things that were said that would continually resound in my mind. And to the point that then when I said I wasn't going to come back, um, I was cut off, and all of the friendships and all of these peoples that I had um, come to know and who my identity kind of even was in um, no longer wanted to have anything to do with me. And it, I, at that point, felt like God left me and felt like um, he abandoned me, and I didn't want to have anything to do with him or people of the church. I want the heaviness of this to hit you guys the way it hit me the day that uh, we met. And I, I hope you feel like a thickness 
Um, on paper, this looked like exactly what you needed. Community, this, this opportunity to, 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 to feed this God-given hunger to go deeper and, and commune with him and with, you know, and, and so you step into this community that was supposed to be something and it wasn't. And, and so I just want to, I want to preach for just a second in here. I told him I was going to do this, but um, I think community was missing because of its failure to provide community. And I hope that hits you or lays on you as heavy as it does me because we have a responsibility, a calling to provide community. But let me put this on the screen. For community to be true community, it has to love and care for everyone who makes up the community. And so what was happening was there was this concept of community that had been developed, but it wasn't loving and caring and nurturing and protecting everyone who was in the community. It was really just benefiting a few in the community, or they were leveraging things for whatever. And, I, and again, we talked about how that probably maybe wasn't, maybe it was intentional, but that's what was happening because there was, there was not these moments of humility and checks along the way. I love what Coretta Scott King says. I don't have this on the screen. I just found this uh, late last night. It says, the greatness of a community is most accurately measured by the compassionate actions of its members toward its members. Let me read that again. The greatness. So guys, if we're ever going to be a great community here, and we're going to get back to this story, but the greatness of a community is most accurately measured by the compassionate actions of its members toward its members. And so here we are. We're in this moment where you didn't just lose trust in community. You lost trust in God because, again, you tied those things. You tied your identity to, to these things, and they were inseparable. But through the grace of God, through healing that God provides, through breakthrough that God's provide, you began to separate those things and begin a process that wasn't quick. But it was dealing with some of this deep hurt that left you, let's just call it what it is, done with church kept you away for quite a while, but now fast forward, you guys have family, she's kind of dealing with this, you guys have family, you're starting to feel this nudge, and in that nudge, you begin to explore, you begin to separate, you begin to dissect, and begin to say, okay, let's, let's, let's really figure out what was and what wasn't, and what really should have been connected together, and you're figuring out in this that God wasn't necessarily connected to some of these things, and so you began to search these, and so what began to change in that that was creating a climate change for you to, that ultimately led you here, which we'll get to, but to say, okay, God, maybe, maybe I can give this a second chance, if for nothing else, the sake of family. So what, I guess just briefly describe, what, what was the climate change that was beginning to happen in there? Well, I think um, for me, and I said this, when we had kids, I wanted my kids to know the community that I knew growing up. Um, I wanted my kids to know Jesus and not the Jesus that I knew because the Jesus I knew or the God that I knew didn't want to have anything to do with me. And um, so I think that that was the turning point for us. Chris was 
already kind of getting there. He was really, you know, searching. And, um, but I was not ready to be involved in anything. So for us, it was just trying to go and, and doing just that. Like I was going to, and we did. And, you know, we went to churches and um, I would allow you at a very, very far length to get in my space. There, there is no space. <laughs> and that was even with God and Chris even at some points in our marriage. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and where we landed, I think, was these words like space, but pace was also important. And, and, and uh, Chris, I just, I, t- I told you that day, and I want to tell everybody here, I so admire your patience. And it's not like patience, like a burden, but your understanding of that, you know, because I think you were probably ready to, like, let's, let's dive in. But you weren't dealing. But because now two become one, you're going, you know what, i got to pace this for her. i got to respect some of these things that we're, we're working and navigating through. And, and you know, your calling as, as the husband and was to, 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 to allow her that space. And to allow those, those those paces to begin, and so you know, she. I remember you telling me like you would you would go, hey, how about this place or how about that, you know? And, and again, if if you're not, hey, if you're not ready, we we don't. And I so admire that because I know that there's probably people here this morning that, you know, they may have a spouse who, they're trying to pull by the ear, and I think you would tell them, take your hand off the ear, and just allow God to do His thing and pace and space and those kinds of things. And so I'm so excited. So how did you guys end up here? Because, again, you've got this, uh, this very hands-off. You tried some places, and about the time it began to, like, all right, it's starting to smell funny. I'm out, you know. And so you're here, and you've stuck, and you've been here. So how, tell us about that. So, well, we'd been out of church for a number of months, and so we, uh, one day, um, we were, it was Sunday, <laughs> we were hungry for Cracker Barrel, so... <laughs> We were heading towards Cracker Barrel down here, and um, we were driving by, and I was like, hmm, look, there's signs out. And um, I think it was, uh, it was Chuck, I think it was. It was out, he was out by the road, and he did one of these <laughs> as, as we drove by, you know, and we waved, and, you know, and so we, we, uh, as we, we got to Cracker Barrel and sat down with our um, mama's French toast, we... Um, started talking about it, or I said, hey, what do you think about that? So we, you know, both Googled it and looked, and, and then um, I think over that, that week or so, we uh, had listened to some of the podcast stuff, and so it came that Saturday, the next Saturday, and I said, you know, well, what do you think about it? And so we said, yeah, well, you know, well, let's try it. So we um, came that Sunday, and so it's been great ever since. And I remember, I remember that Sunday because... You found the farthest chair away from me, but the closest chair to the door. <laughs> and, and, and I love this. One of the things you, you, you shared with me was that you positioned yourself there because at any point this thing went awry, you were running. And I remember a couple of weeks in, I never could find you. I'd see you, and I never could find you. And I thought, okay, I'm going to jet to the door. I'm going to meet these people. And so I think you had already gotten outside, heading to, and I was like, oh, hey, you know, like in this creepy, like, preacher stalker kind of way. <laughs> I was like, you don't get to run from me today. And I find that interesting because you told me you positioned yourself to run, and here I am running after you running. And, uh, and again, by the grace of God, I didn't freak you out, but I just said, I just want to meet you guys. And uh, 
I remember, you know, just having that, that introductory meeting and just, you know, offering who I am to you and, and how can we serve you. And you guys came back and you came back. And I remember, you know, meeting Chris, getting out there and serving, kind of what we talked about at the beginning of you know, serving, such a great way to connect to people. And, and, uh, and so, you know, it, here's, here's the progression. From back seat to kind of mid seat. Not front seat. Nobody ever wants to sit on the front seats. There's like three. Like, thank you. Thank you, front seat people. Um, we can always count on, like, the Cummings and this little crew right here. You guys are front seat people. But um, then, then there's these other amazing twists. You came and said, hey, we're going to be there for a serving day. You kind of began to get to know some people. Hey, we're going we're gonna to sign up for a house group. These are all steps that, let's be honest, you didn't think you'd take. You didn't think, you know. And, and so, again, space and pace allows these things. And then what's most amazing is that you said, hey, we have found community that we feel like is true community because it loves and cares for each other as community. We're ready to give back to the next gen. So they signed up to be uh, kids volunteers. And so they, uh, they're not just runners or people who check in. All those, all those things are important. But they took the heavy. They wanted to teach. you got to be crazy to teach kids. <laughs> And they said, hey, we don't want to just be a volunteer that passes out goldfish. We want to teach, and we want to empower. We want to, to shape the minds and faith so that these, these kids can begin to develop their faith in Jesus in a way that I didn't experience. I want to be a part of shaping and molding the next generation in a, in a different. And so, you know, it's just amazing what God can do when we give him a little space and a little pacing. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, you know, one of the things that you set out to me, and we'll kind of end on this note, was that um, for so many years, through like the backside of that bad experience, you felt that going into that experience, and then you came out of that experience feeling this, and then you navigated uh, years and years of this, was that, that you just always felt passed by. You didn't feel seen. And then you said, I got here, and I felt seen. And I didn't get passed by, even to the point of me running you down. But you, you felt like, you know what? I'm community here. I'm valued here. And I, I, don't want, I just want to tell you in front of everyone, I, I'm glad you came in. I'm glad you came back. And I'm glad you stayed. Uh, you are seen and you are loved. Um, I love your family. I love you guys. I love that your son and I share shoe stories and style. But you guys are such an important part of the story of Wellhouse. And so it's not just you found second chance with each other, but you extended second chance to us. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm thankful for that. And uh, I know that God is going to continue to do some amazing things. And we're going to hold each other responsible and accountable to each other. And, and we're going to continue to build uh, a community where other fellers can find their place too regardless of where they are. And so I just want you to know God's still writing your story. And I know there's still moments that you kind of like, all right, is this too good to be true? You know, and, and we're going to continue to add those pacings because God is still writing. There's going to be more to tell. And I'm confident that you guys are going to continue to tell that story. And so thank you for this morning. And, and uh, so that's part of the feller story. So I'm going to pray for them and then uh, going to tra transition into kind of just, I want to I tell you one more thing before we leave. And and, uh, but just thank you guys. I'm going to pray for you. Father, this morning, I'm so, so grateful for Chris and Michelle and their courage to give second chance. I'm grateful that they found each other, and in that, uh, 
were provided second chance, and then I'm grateful that they, again, have just through your spirit, through your breakthrough, through your understanding, have found how to extend second chance to a community that is designed and intended and vital and so important, this community called church. And, and God, it gets messy because there's people involved, but they were able to look through that and look to you, for you, and, and what it is that you intended. And God, I'm, I'm grateful that they're beginning to find that and, and trust that once again. I'm grateful that they're beginning to trust you in new ways. I'm grateful that they're beginning to trust your people, your servants in new ways. And Father, we just pray that, that when we have this heightened awareness of what you've called us and intended us to be, that, that trust would never be an issue again. And so, God, I pray that you keep us in check, and I pray that as we navigate this together, that we truly operate and participate in true community, meaning that we love and care for everyone who's in the community. And so, Father, I, again, I pray that you continue to give us space and that you allow us to pace in a way that allows people to, to experience what it is that you've called us to experience, community with you and community with one another. Thank you for their story. Thank you for giving them the courage to share it. We pray this through your son's name. Amen. You guys give it up for the fellers. I want to end this morning with a little bit of real talk. Is that all right with y'all? Guys, we got to continue to do this. Notice I didn't say we got to start doing this. We got to continue to do this. We got to continue to provide space for people to heal. We got to find space for people to be seen and valued and loved and, and nurtured and protected. It, it's our responsibility, one another. You know, I told them sitting there that day, I said, I just want to let you know if I ever, as your pastor, brush up against this, will you call me out on it? And so I want us to continue to have these spaces and, and pacing in such a way where when we leverage the giftingness, the position, the role, the title, with or without, when we begin to leverage any of those kinds of things, if it's not leveraging it for someone else that's sitting around you and it's leveraging whatever for yourself, we're going to stop and we're going to hit pause. And we're going to recalibrate because God intended and designed community, this thing called the church, to, 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 and it's full of giftedness. He says, listen, I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to develop this community and I'm going to put unique giftedness all over it. Oh, I'm, going to, I'm going to call some people to be prophets and pastors and evangelists and teachers and mentors and all sorts of things. He says, but all of those things are designed and intended and given to you so that you can leverage it for the good of the body. For the good of the body. He says, listen, if you have a unique gift and what you might even consider an important gift, one that if we don't keep it in check, quickly grows to places of pride and, and warped authority. And, and He says, listen, there, some of you need to have this giftedness that be, that's able to lead out front. But if you ever get to a place where you're leveraging it for something other than the good of the body, then you better check yourself. And so this was such a check mark for me, but it's a reminder that we've got to continue to do these things. We've got to continue to look for people. And guys, there's a slew of people who live in our community that says, I am 
done. I'm done. And all I want them to do is give God and his spirit and give the church another chance and pray like crazy that when they do, that we have positioned ourselves with space and pace, allow them to heal and allow them to see what God intended community to be. See, God intended this all to be a place where, again, we leverage all these things to build each other up. Let me put it this way. Tim Keller says, We were made for mutually self-giving and directing love toward others. Isn't that simple? We were created, but self-centeredness destroys the fabric of what God intended for the church. He says, listen, you were created, and I know this because we were created in the image of God. And so as image bearers of God, we were created to do what God does. He gives, and he directs love. And so we're created to do those things, and that's what we're going to continue to make the marker. We see this displayed all over the DNA of the early church. As Paul is navigating these places, and you know he's dealing with a, a, a diverse group of people. I mean, he's dealing with people who have been religious all their life, and he's dealing with pagans. He's dealing with all sorts of, of, of ethnic backgrounds. He's dealing with all sorts of race, and it's just it's crazy, these melting pots. And so as he's going into these places like Ephesus and Thessalonica and Rome, I mean, Rome, for goodness sake, and he's going into all these places, and he's having to describe for them what God intended for these bodies, these communities, these churches to be all about. He says, listen, I know this is kind of a new thing, you have temple to compare it to, but this is different. This is, this is going to be unique. This is going to be where we leverage uh, things in a different way. And, and he says, so let me describe to you what these bodies look like and what they need to be made up. And there's no greater place that he describes this in his letter to, to Corinth. This really happening place, and, and it's again, it's diverse, it's fast-moving, it's wealthy. I mean, all these things are happening. He says, okay, before we get too far out here, let me just kind of draw you in and, and remind you of what church is all about. And listen to some of the things that he says. I'm going to put this on the screen. Starting in verse 12, he talks about unity and diversity in the body. He says, just as a body through one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ, so it is with us. He says so. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free. And we were all given to one spirit to drink, even so the body is not made up of one part but many parts. Now, look in verse 25. He says, there should be no divisions in the body, but that its parts should have equal, get this, have equal concern for one another. He says, the foot has equal concern for the eyes. If you read this entire chapter, he, he draws those comparisons between church and body. The eyes has equal concern. For the hands, and the hands have equal concern for the feet, and the feet have equal concern. He says all of these things are being leveraged for equal concern for one another. He says if one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. He says, so now you are the body of Christ. He says, let's not mistake what I'm talking about here. You are that. That's what I'm calling you to. And each one of you is a part of it. 
And so we see this, this intended purpose. He says, there you have it. He says, if you ever get sidetracked and confused and as this, and here's what's going to happen. Church is going to become this hierarchy and it's going to become this political machine. It's going to become a cultural machine. He says, I know what's going to happen to all this. He says, but there's always got to be a centering point. And so when we get off in these places, and historically we've seen it happen over and over and over again, he says, concern, concern, concern for every part. It's for the good of the community. So he, he goes on, he says, I'm, I'm not done here. He says, I, I, I don't know if he was getting some blank stares or what, but he said, let me leave no room for misunderstanding what this looks like. And so he writes a continuation in chapter 13, and we've taken this and made it a wedding passage. And when I get to it, you're going to go, oh yeah, I heard that at a wedding. Guys, this was never a wedding passage. This was a church passage. In context, he's saying, listen, I'm not talking about husband and wife. I'm talking about church folk. And here's what he says. He says, let me show you the most excellent way. He says, if you want to know how to do this and do it well, the most excellent, there's not a better way to do it. Let me unfold it for you. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal. He says, you're noise. You're just noise. And we know what noise looks like, right? We see it all over the place. Things that we hear, but we don't really, has no bearing in our life. We don't even remember it. It's just noise. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy, and can fathom all mystery and all knowledge. And if I have faith that can move mountains, here's what he's describing. If you think you're important, you think you're extra gifted, and you may be. You have titles. You have positions. He says, I don't care if you have all of those things, but do not have love. He says, you are nothing. Another word there is bankrupt. He says, you're bankrupt. He says, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I don't love, I gain nothing. He says, I see you leveraging your knowledge, your mystery, your, your, your positions. I, I even see you leveraging your stuff. Oh, I see you going, oh, I'm willing to take a hardship here. You're leveraging even what you think is, is humility. And, and he says, no, if you don't love, and that's not the motor behind this, he says, you have nothing. He says, so let me describe what love is. And here's the old wedding passage that's on every wedding napkin around. Love is patient. It's Chris saying, I'm patient. And I know you may not be ready, so I'm going to continue to be patient. Love is kind. It would never step out into a public arena and seek to tear someone down so that it can exalt its own self. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. 
always hopes and always perseveres. And then probably the greatest statement that he writes, love never fails. So as we navigate this thing called church and community, there's our checklist. Are we protecting? Are we self-seeking? Are we proud? Are we, and you just continue to fill in the blanks, are we positioning ourselves to give space and pace for those things to happen? Because I believe there's more fellers out there. I believe there are more fellers out there who are saying, I'm done, but I believe there's also more fellers if they could connect and see community as God intended for it to be would reconnect. And that's our mission. That's our goal. That's our agenda. That's our purpose. That's our calling. That's our future. That's what God has called us to do. I want to pray for us, and then we're going to enter into a time of communion. And one of the things I love, again, about communion is that it's such a display of family. It's a display of inclusiveness. It's a display where we all get to come together and, and uh, bring our hurts and bring our heartaches and bring our past and bring all of these moments where we haven't felt loved and we haven't necessarily even been shown love and we get to center ourselves around a table that just exudes love. It, it magnifies love. It's a reminder of love. It's a reminder that you are loved, have always been loved, and always will be loved. But it's a reminder to us as we look across to genuinely love those who we look at and that we call community and we call family. And so we love doing this every Sunday so that we can again have this moment where we just centralize our week to come around this moment that was. And in that we find this uniqueness, this God-intended community that gave us life and salvation but continues to do so. Mm -hmm.